everybody. It's nice to see you all, and thanks for coming out to this presentation. Um, I am Jennifer Wisdom, and I've done uh, quite a bit of trainings for the Public Mental Health Partnership and with UCLA and the Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health, and I am delighted to share this stuff with you. This is one of my favorite topics, and if you've been to other of my presentations, you've heard me say, this is one of my favorite topics. This is definitely one of my favorite topics, so I hope you will learn a lot from this presentation. Um, so what we'll talk about today are how goals, priorities, and decision-making work together. I will walk you through creating a first draft of your vision, mission, and strategic aims, vision statement, mission statement, and strategic aims. Then I will we'll go through, assess your decision-making environment, and that'll give you some other things you can add to your strategic aims potentially, and we'll clarify what your next steps are. So my goal for this time is that you will finish this session an hour from now with a list of exactly what your next steps are to help you clarify your goals, priorities, and make better decisions. Yes? All right, excellent. So a little bit about me with a bit shorter hair, um, but I'm a licensed psychologist in Oregon and New York. I've been a uh, board certified business and uh, organizational psychologist, and I was in academia for about 20 years and now work independently. And uh, I love doing this stuff. I do. I work with a lot of complex health uh, healthcare organizations and educational organizations. Um, and I've worked with uh, people with serious mental illness. I've worked with uh, adolescents in, who are incarcerated, uh, families, kids. I've, I feel like I've done a little bit of everything. Um, and I definitely feel your pain about those people who are doing clinical or administrative work in social service context, working with very complex systems and a whole lot of bureaucracy and rules. That said, those are, those are the systems we have. And so part of my goal overall is to help you work better within those systems. And my goal for today is to help you clarify your goals and values and what your steps are so that you can move forward both in your work and in your career. And those are slightly separate but overlapping things. And we'll talk about that a little bit. So just kind of just to get us really started here, the first basics are first that goal setting is creating an action plan designed to motivate and guide you toward a goal. Now, some people might say, it's actually AC's cold in here, so I'm putting a jacket on. Some people might say, I would love to go to Paris someday. Okay, that is not a goal, that's a wish which is great, and whatever your wish is, great to have wishes. It doesn't become a goal until you actually create a plan to get it done. That means more than just wishing and putting together, thinking through those steps of, okay, if I wanted to go to Paris, what would I do? Well, let me see how much a flight costs. Let me see if, do I need to know the language? How much does a hotel cost or whatever, right? So you can put those pieces together and then make a plan to actually carry them out. That's going to get you to Paris a lot faster than just wishing you'd like to go to Paris. So the goal setting is those two parts, figuring out what you want, sometimes it's the hard part, and then figuring out how to get there and doing it. The second prior, the second um, definition I want to have here is prioritization. So you may have a lot of things you want to do, as well as a lot of things you kind of have to do for work or things you're obligated to do. Prioritization is how do you decide what to do now? What's the relative importance or urgency of things so that you can figure out what you need to do with your time right now? And then the third aspect is decision-making, which is the process of making these choices. 
So I argue that when you know what your goals are and you're really clear on what you want, again, whether it's work-related or career-related or personal-related, either way, whatever that is, you know what your goals are. That will help you prioritize what your steps are to get to where you want to go to meet your goals. And then you can do better at making decisions to figure out what to do now. Um, so you can say, okay, if my goal is to get here, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to not do right now. And then I'm going to make my decision appropriately to do that. So that's kind of how these things fit together. So knowing your goals can help you prioritize how you spend your limited time. So none of us has unlimited time and it will help you make good decisions about how you spend your limited energy. All right, so maybe you're on board with this. Let's do it. Where do you get started? Well, we're gonna talk about your vision, your mission and your strategic aims. And let's start with, this is sometimes a hard activity. I'm, nobody's required to share anything. I will ask if you'd like to share, you're welcome to share and type it in the chat, but you don't have to, this is for you. Um, and we talk about first about your vision, which is your big life purpose or the big thing that you are here on this planet for. Your mission is what is it you want to accomplish? And your strategic aims are about what is stressing you out and what will it take to get you toward your vision and your mission. And my little disclaimer here, this is a this is a workplace presentation. So you can set your goals about career or your individual projects at work. Um, you can also set goals around your health and finances and travel, relationships, personal growth, anything that you want. So my suggestion is hold on to these slides, do this activity as we do it related to your work or career, and then you can do it again later if you want for other goals that you have. And if you're super speedy and you want to do it for all of them at once during this time today, totally fine too. Okay, and then um, let's start with the vision. So a vision statement answers the question of what do I wanna be a part of creating? What does the world look like and feel like as a result of doing your work? And having this compelling and clear vision statement can help you focus your career activities. And an example of a vision statement is improving human health through nutrition, All right? That's really broad. And it's very clear what I want the world to look like is improved human health through nutrition. For um, I can share my vision statement, which I think I have here. Let me keep it around for situations like this. My vision statement is to help people reach their greatest potential in the service of public health. So what I my goal is my vision is a world where people are reaching their greatest potential in the service of public health, improving the public's health. So that's my goal. So um, what is your vision statement? Take a few moments. I'll give you a couple of minutes and write it down. Again, you don't have to share it if you don't want to. Um, what is your vision statement for what you want the world to look like? All right, um, feel free to share your vision statement, your draft vision statement in the chat. We have one saying her vision statement is to support military families with building their resilience. Awesome. I love it. That's a really broad goal. And you can see he is envisioning is military families who have high resilience. Beautiful. Anyone else want to share? Okay. Um, support the homeless. Great. Uh, I would suggest making that a little more specific. Um, so in what ways? So for example, homeless, um, all people who don't have a home 
have um, a comfortable place to stay at night and they're safe on the streets or something like that. Or um, uh, I'm looking for, let's see, a goal of um, everyone has a home. Everyone has a place they can call their own, right? It's that vision and it gets a little woo-woo, that's okay. Um, but it gets a kind of a vision of what you want the world to look like. So I would encourage you to be more specific with that. Okay, so to build a more loving, confident, harmonious world offering through offering space to share and process. Beautiful. And to help as many people as I can get out of homelessness and stay in the community, living the best quality of life possible. Super. Um, help as many people as possible access and maintain affordable permanent housing. Great, more just and supportive social health conditions through mental health support, support the homeless, getting housing, ending homelessness, personal flourishing by meeting their personal person. Beautiful. Okay, so I love this vision. Like you are envisioning this kind of a world and that is lovely. That's exactly what we're looking for in a vision statement, trying to be specific, but specific about what the world looks like, but also it leaves it open a bit. So it leaves it open because the next part is your mission statement about how you will do your part to achieve that vision. So if we go back to this statement about her vision is to support military families building their resilience, there's a lot of different ways to do that. You could be a volunteer at a local military base. You could be a mental health counselor that serves primarily military families. You could do research on military families. Right? There's a lot of different ways you could do that. You could um, work with local community governments to better support the military bases in their community. You could teach um, spouses left behind after a deployment about how to manage their finances. Right, There's so many different things you could do. What is it that you want to do? What is your specific part to achieve that vision? And it'll define, it, this def mission statement defines what you will do and kind of why you work in this job or this institution. Um, what is it that you're doing right now? And it describes what the differences you plan to make in the world as a result of who you are and what you want to do. So I'll give you a couple of minutes on that. Oh, actually, let me give you the example. So for the person about improving health through nutrition, there's a lot of different ways to do that. This person wants to expand and disseminate knowledge on the use of nutrition and nutritional supplements in managing chronic disease. So they're focusing on um, nutrition in managing chronic disease. And I'll share mine with you when you come back. Uh, so take a couple minutes, work on a mission statement. Doesn't have to be perfect. Take a pass at it. Uh, so let's come back together. Put yours in the chat if you like. So again, is right on the right on the dot here with her vision is to support military families building their resilience. And then her mission, her part of building resilience among military families is training on how to manage stressors of military transitions, such as permanent change of station or deployments and so on. So great, 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 great. Offering spaces that uplift emotional wellness so that individuals, families, and groups can share, collaborate, process, problem solve, and express themselves. Beautiful, beautiful. So we'll keep going forward. So our third step, you have your vision of what you want the world to look like. You have your mission of what is your role in making this world look like that. And now we're up to the strategic goals. So this is where the rubber meets the road a little bit. What is it that you're going to do to bring about that world? So what is it you specifically want to accomplish to achieve your vision and your mission? And ideally, your strategic goals are both achievable and measurable. 
And they also allow you to define the specific competencies you need. So is there anything you don't know or you don't have or you want access to to help you achieve your vision and your mission? And they also can help keep you focused. So having these measurable strategic goals will help you fulfill your mission, excuse me, and realize your vision. So here's some examples. And this one says in the next five years, I would suggest just starting with one year. Um, but in the, for this person with the nutrition situation, in the next five years, I will form a network of professional colleagues, including membership in professional organizations and serving on at least one committee, train my staff to complete nutritional assessments, interventions, complete additional certification and training, acquire funding and complete a clinical trial, present and publish findings, right? Any of these are the kinds of things that you can put on your strategic goals list. I do encourage you to be specific. So rather than increase my network, which is kind of vague, be specific like this person around including membership in a professional organization or one lunch meeting a month or whatever. Um, be specific about that. So what are the specific things you'll, be, you'll need to do in the next year to make that mission and vision come true? So I'll give you a couple minutes on that one. And if you like any of these, take them. They're yours. <laughs> I'll give you a couple minutes. So I'll give some examples. So oh, I said I would share my mission. I don't think I did. Um, let me share my mission. Um, my vision was to is to help people reach their greatest potential in service of the public's health. And my mission is to improve how systems function to help people, to mentor, train, and lead others, and to facilitate sharing of knowledge globally. So that's specific. I mean, it's it's. It's big, but it's also specific in that I'm improving systems functioning and I'm training people. Um, those are my main um, strategic, those are my main mission activities. And then my strategic goals include things like a, a, a getting additional training and providing at least X number of trainings per year and um, writing uh, books or articles or whatever it is I want to share to get this information out there and to help create this world, providing coaching, providing X number of coaching visits a year and that sort of thing. Okay, so has complete additional training on mental health interventions and competencies for youth and families. Great. Um, encourage you to be more specific about that. What kind of additional training? Form a committee at work to offer social activities for clients, families. Beautiful. Participate in client-centered services through facilitating individual and family therapy. Great. So your last one, I think, is probably part of your job description, which is not a problem. Just making a note of that. That's fine. Um, and I think the strategic, I think of it as I have the things that I'm going to do every day anyway. And then what are my strategic goals that are going to help me move forward toward my vision and toward my mission um, to make that come through? So I typically don't put like the everyday stuff on here, but it's okay if you do. So just just making a, calling that out. And thank you for volunteering stuff. So next steps for goal setting. So first is I would say work on this a little bit more, maybe sleep on it and work on your vision and your mission and your strategic aims um, and get them where you want them to be. And then share them, find somebody to share them with. You can share them with a mentor or a selected peer or even a partner or family member, but somebody who knows a bit about the kind of work you do and can understand what kind of mission and vision you're looking for. And the kinds of feedback you can ask for are related to, um, are these strategic aims 
are these strategic goals the kind of things that are going to get me to my mission and my vision? And what else should I be doing? How um, how do you do you have any suggestions for how I can find support in doing these? And the bonus for this is that when you have this conversation, a lot of times people will say, oh, I can help you with that. Here, let me introduce you to this person. Or did you know about that training? Or I can support this. People are often very willing to help you. One caveat is that you may or may not want to share this with your direct supervisor, depending on your relationship with them and how much you talk about goal setting and next steps. Certainly at, at DMH, um, you can say, I went to this presentation with Jennifer and she said I should share this. So go for that if that's helpful. Um, but just think about who you can share it with that will be most helpful to you. And the goal is to be helpful to you. Um, you can then put specific steps associated with these strategic goals on your calendar. So for example, it says uh, form a committee at work to offer social activities for clients and families. So some of the steps associated with this might be step one, you know, for August and September, I'm going to talk to at least five people, five people who have different jobs in my position, in my uh, workplace about what they think of this committee and get some feedback and try to get people on board with it. I'm also gonna to talk to five family members and see what they would be interested in. So that's okay, it's on our calendar. Between now and the end of September, that's what I'll do. The next step is I'm gonna to talk to my supervisor or whoever about putting this committee together. And I'd like the committee to be gather together by November 1st. We should have our first meeting sometime in November. So putting these things on your calendar, breaking it down into little steps and then moving it forward. And then finally, making sure that you plan a check-in with your mentors or selected peers quarterly or biannually or even annually to assess your progress and assess the appropriateness of your mission, your vision and your goals. So this is a check-in where you can get some mentoring and some feedback on how you're doing. Your vision and your mission and your goals will likely change a bit over time. So for those of you who can see me, my vision and mission is kind of a you know 90 degree angle in front of me. Over time, it's maybe moved a little to the right. It's maybe moved a little to the left. It might get a little narrower, but overall, I'm still going in the same direction that I've been going in for a long time for my vision. My mission has shifted a little bit. Sometimes I'm in a research position. And so my mission in achieving that vision is research related. Sometimes I'm in a training position where my mission is more training. Sometimes I'm in a producing documents and writing about things. So those they can make a change in how my mission is, but my vision, if anything, my vision has gotten more specific over time. And then my mission has, has modified itself a little bit. And then of course my strategic goals, those are different depending on what kind of work I'm doing and what my projects are right now. So advanced goal setting. So if you get to this point, you might want to think about setting goals for yourself, strategic goals for yourself with a variety of challenges. So if let's say um, you set a goal of, I want to run around the block. For some people that might be a stretch goal. For many people, that's not a stretch goal. That's You can do that right now. So that's not a big goal. Um, it's not a stretch goal. A stretch goal might be train for a marathon or train for a 5K or train for a 10K or whatever would be a stretch for you. Not impossible. You don't want to say, you know, I'm going to run across the country. 
tomorrow because that's probably not an achievable goal. I'm not saying you can't, I'm just saying that's probably not a very reasonable one to set. But when you set goals with a variety of challenges, that can help you stretch. If all of your goals are stretch goals and they're hard, then it's really easy to get discouraged. If none of your goals are stretch goals and they're all easy, then that's too easy. You're not working hard enough. You could push yourself a little bit further on that and you can do more with your, with your skills and your strengths. You can also set goals with a variety of timelines. Um, and we talked about setting the strategic goals for a year, um, but you may wanna set, some people have a bucket list for things they wanna do in their lifetime. Then you can take your strategic goals for a year and break those down into monthly goals or weekly goals. If you do something like a running training program or a lot of exercise programs, we'll break it down week by week. Um, some of your work uh, activities like putting together a um, social activity committee, you can break that down into pieces. Here's what I'm gonna do each week or here's what I'm gonna get done each month. And you'll have to play with this a little bit. You might be very ambitious and say, I'm gonna do this week one, I'm gonna do this week two and this week three. But it turns out you don't have enough extra time to do that and you need a little more time. So then you can expand it. It's okay. You can adjust. <laughs> you can change it. Um, of course, you want to consider your work and life requirements and obligations. So if you um, just brought a new child into your household by having a baby or adopting or you're taking care of another young person, this might not be the right time to train for a marathon, for example. It might be just the right time, but kind of thinking about what else is going on in your life and what else is going on at work and being a, being gentle and kind with yourself about your goal setting. So wanting to keep yourself learning and growing and achieving and also being kind. You can also chunk goals into smaller pieces. And we talked about this a little bit. Um, whoops. So if your goal is to write a report by June, and it's January 1, you can have a chunk of outlining the report by this month. And then by the end of the second month, I'm gonna draft section one. And by the end of the third month, I'm gonna draft section two. When you first do this, it might be a little challenging because you're not used to thinking of things in this way. But once you get going, it's gonna be so easy. And you're gonna immediately think of what are the building blocks to get to each goal. And that's when you can really take off in your achievement and really uh, work. You get a lot done in achieving your mission and your vision. Let's look at decision-making and let's look at your decision-making environment. So whenever we are trying to make decisions, our environment can either be helpful or not so helpful to us. Um, this is a place where uh, a therapist, a friend of mine used to say, reality is helpful at this moment or reality is not helpful at this moment. So let's take a look at these environments and identify how supportive they are when we're trying to make decisions. And this goes for work environments and other environments. So when you're trying to make decisions, it's easier to make decisions when you have time and space to think. Think through what is the decision I'm trying to make? What are some possibilities? Um, trying to think through all the pieces for that. It's more difficult to make decisions if you're feeling rushed and frantic. For sure, you've got a whole bunch of stuff on your mind. It's really hard to think through what it is you need to do. It's easier to make decisions when there are clear priorities and values. And this means you're clear on your priorities and values. And if you're at work, 
you're clear on your boss's priorities and values and the organization's priorities and values. And ideally, those are all in sync. It's more difficult to make decisions if you're not clear on your own priorities and values, or if your priorities and values may be different from those of the organization or of your boss. So whenever there's a lack of clarity there, it makes it harder to make good decisions. The third one is it's easier to make decisions when there are clear roles and responsibilities. You know what your role is as a clinician. You know what the role of the community recovery mentor is. You know what the role of the psychiatrist is. You know what your supervisor's role is or whatever. You know what your role is and your responsibilities. And it's clear what is not your role and responsibility and what you're not responsible for. It's more difficult to make decisions if you're not clear about those things. Well, sometimes this person makes the decision. Sometimes that person makes the decision. They want my input versus they want me to tell them what to do that makes it really hard to make good decisions. And then finally, it's easier to make decisions when you have all the information you need, and it's more difficult to make decisions when you don't have the information you need. And this is a place where I have rarely found that I have all the information I want to make a decision. We often don't have that luxury of having all the information we would like to have and part of what makes decision-making challenging is we have to make decisions sometimes based on not enough, not as much information as we'd like. So we have to do the best we can with the information we have. That said, it's easier to make decisions when we have more information many times than it is if we don't have information we need. Type any questions you have or, or comments into the chat here. And so what I'd like you to do is do a quick self-assessment. You can just do this on a piece of paper or um, if you printed the PDF out, you could do it on that. Where are you? Where is your work? Think of one work environment. So maybe your main work environment. And then where, where are you in that work environment? Is that a place where you do tend to have time and space? If so, you have all the time and space you want, then you're one. If everything's always rushed and frantic, you're a five. If you're halfway in between, maybe a three. And you could figure two or four, depending on where you're at. So take a moment and just uh, circle or write down the four numbers for these four rows here. Where is your environment? Where are you in your environment? I'll give you a minute for that. All right, let's move forward. You got your numbers. Let me know. What are you noticing? Are you all fives? Are you all ones? Are you all threes? Fives in some, ones in others? Maybe you have no ones or no twos. Everything's a three to a five. Two, 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 or three. Someone's got a three to five, a lot of threes. Okay. All right. So ones and twos, pretty good if you have ones and twos. If you have a three, four, or five, I would strongly recommend considering how to make changes in those areas. And I, I get it. We can't you know, control the things that we can't control but there may be ways we can get a little bit of clarity back. So for example, if your priorities or values aren't clear or aren't consistent with some of the people you work with or with your boss, there's an opportunity to clarify there. And if your responsibilities aren't clear, that's relatively easy to clarify. Who's responsible for what? Let's walk through this together. Um, information, you can see how you might be able to get more information in some situations. One of the ways to try to make these things better in your environment is that once you have a decision to make, 
make your decision and then take a little bit of time, even if it's just time to go get a cup of coffee or um, a lemonade or something, take a moment, but intentionally think through how did I do on that decision? Was I rushed and frantic or did I have time and space? Were my priorities clear? Were my values clear? Were my roles and responsibilities clear? What information did I would I have liked to have had? And then how did I do based on that? That little self-assessment can really help as you move forward and help you get better in decision-making. And if you want to take it a step further, you can have a quick debrief with a friend or colleague and talk to them about it. And then you can get the benefit of learning from their decision-making and they can get the benefit of learning from yours. So there's that. So here's some steps for decision-making and I made it super easy. We've got two steps for decision-making. One is create an environment conducive to making good decisions, which we talked about. And that includes creating the time and space to observe and anticipate problems and think through things. And we talked about some ways to do that. Like for example, if you if you have a really chaotic, if your desk is in a really chaotic area of the office, maybe you can take a 20 minute break and go into the conference room and close the door and have a phone call there or think through your decision there. Sometimes the best thing I could do is just go to the, right, the ladies room for a minute. At least it's quiet. <laughs> I can think for a moment, if that's all you can do, that's what you could do. Make some time and space to just calm your brain and be able to think through what's happening. Uh, clarifying roles and responsibilities and expectations. And again, this is a, a time where once you've made a decision, you can talk to your colleague or your boss or whoever you're working with. How did that go? And some of my, two of my favorite questions, what went well, what went not so well? And then of course, how can we do this differently in the future? How can we continue to make this better? Um, making sure you know yourself and your values and your priorities. That's another place that it's easier to make decisions if you're clear on values and priorities. So making sure you think through that. And then of course, having colleagues you can consult with. And I mentioned a few different ways to do that. Either talk with them through the decision-making, have a check-in with them about your strategic goals. Any of those things can be really helpful. And then of course, anything you can improve in these, these are things you can add to your strategic goals. So if, for example, one of the things you really wanna do is get clearer on your roles and responsibilities because everything's always a mess when there's a decision to be made. Maybe you can add it to your strategic goals. First thing I'm gonna do is read my job description. <laughs> I'll get some clarity. Second, I'm gonna bring it up to my supervisor and talk with them about this. And I will request that we have a group meeting with our whole team to talk about role clarity and responsibilities. Third, we're going to have this team meeting and have this discussion and have some clear takeaways about how we're gonna move forward. Four, we're going to, um, reassess in a month to see what's working well and what's not working well. You see how you could take any one of these and turn them into part of your strategic goals if it's something you want to address and you want to improve. So that's step one is creating a better environment. Step two is following good decision-making practice. And some of you who are trained as therapists might rec recognize this um, when I got started as a psychologist, I was working with little kids and we called this an everybody happy plan. Um, some of you may also recognize it as uh, basically the scientific method. So we're calling it here, good decision-making practice. It's the same principles. So first is clarify the problem. 
What actually needs to happen? And how will you know the problem is resolved? Sometimes people think they know what the problem is and they're not actually clear on what the problem is. Another good question to ask is whose problem is this? Sometimes people get all wound up about problems that aren't even theirs to solve. And I'm not talking about your clients. I'm talking about your colleagues or something else that's happening that's really not your problem. So you don't necessarily have to do anything. But for decision-making practice, clarify the problem. Make sure you know what it means for this problem to be resolved. If you don't know what it means to be resolved, then, then continue to seek clarity on what the problem actually is. Then you identify some potential solutions. I could do this. I could do that. I could do that. Um, and then consider the pros and cons of each of those solutions. And here's some different perspectives you could use. One is from an ethical or a moral perspective. We each have our professional ethics codes. I'm sure DMH and UCLA have their ethics codes. So what are what's the ethical or moral thing to do in this situation? From a clinical perspective, what would be the best thing to do for this patient's welfare? What are the administrative or logistical or guidelines or regulations that are out there that I need to consider as well? And then are there professional development opportunities for me or for someone else to learn something from this situation? So as you walk through these pros and cons, you can consider what these are. So of course, if something is unethical, but would be a good professional development opportunity, that still doesn't mean you should do it. It's saying you should look through these different perspectives. And there may be more perspectives. You may want to add what would be the culturally sensitive thing to do? What would be the um, morally right thing to do? What would be the politically appropriate thing to do, right? So there may be different perspectives you want to add to these situations. And no one of these makes an answer for you, but each of these are things to consider about your potential solutions. And then once you have considered the pros and cons of each solution, you'll choose a solution, communicate about it as appropriate, and then enact your solution. Piece of cake, right? Making decisions is super easy. <laughs> I know it's not that easy. And then of course, your last step is to evaluate the success of your decision and lessons learned for the future. And the success of your decision isn't based on whether everything turned out perfectly. I would say, I mean, that's great when that happens, but I would say another way to evaluate the success of your decision is, did I do the best I could given the information I had at the time? So did I consider enough potential solutions? Could I have maybe thought out of the box more? Could I have been more creative in my potential solutions? Am I really clear on what the problem was and whose problem it is? Did I do enough consideration? And did I communicate well about the solution that I chose and enacted in a way that's a, an effective intervention? So those are things that can be really helpful to you in your professional development as you're thinking through your decision-making practice. So I know I'm simplifying it quite a bit. Two quick steps. One, create a good decision-making environment. And two, follow good decision-making practice. So now is the time to think about what are your next steps? What are you going to do? Um, so some of the things you may want to consider are updating your vision, mission, and strategic goals. If you want to do that one, write it down, take it, it's yours. Uh, you may want to put some of these goals on your calendar. You may want to talk with a 
mentor or colleague about your vision and your mission and your strategic aims. You may want to talk with some of your colleagues who weren't here today about your decision-making environment and to put your heads together about how you can potentially improve your decision-making environment in your office or as a team. You may want to write these down if these are things you want that you, you're interested in doing. Um, you may want to talk with your boss about um, any of the challenges that you're seeing and look at how you can improve the situation or improve your own professional development. You may want to reach out to professional associations or find some materials that you can read about continuing to improve your decision-making and your goal-setting activities. And there could be, I'm sure there's plenty more I didn't mention. So take a moment and write down what your next steps are. What are you going to do next? So take a look at what your next steps are um, and make sure you write those down. And this is really good practice for goal setting and decision-making in the future. Setting aside some time for yourself, even if it's today, it's an hour. It could be, again, on your walk to get a cup of coffee or a glass of lemonade or something. It could be on your drive home or your drive to see a client. Give yourself, make that time and space for you to think through these things. And I love writing stuff down. So I do a lot of list making and I set goals and that sort of thing. Um, I have it all written down. So you can do whatever works for you. I strongly recommend writing it down though. Um, I take a look at my goals. I have my vision and my mission, and then I have goals and activities and things that I'm doing. And I check in with that maybe about once a month and then kind of sketch out what I'm doing over the following month, adjusted for if I have a vacation or if I have a trip to see family or something like that. Um, so I adjust it. And then at usually at the beginning of the month, I'll assess this past month. What did I do? What did I not get done? And then what do I want to do moving forward? So putting in, some, it doesn't take that long. It really doesn't. Having a system that you work doesn't have to be perfect, <laughs> um, but having a system that you do to periodically reassess your goals and what you're doing and moving forward. So that's, that can be really helpful. And I wrote, I'm going to pay attention to how my passions come up from day to day to ensure the vision and mission I identified today really aligns with who I am. Love it. Love it. And the question comes up sometimes that, um, what if my vision and mission are not consistent with the work I'm doing day to day? That, that can come up, absolutely. And if that does happen, you have some opportunities to address that. So, you know, at one end of the spectrum is you could decide this isn't the right job for you. At the other end of the spectrum, you can find all kinds of different ways to make your vision and your mission come alive in the work that you're doing day to day. And then there's all kinds of other options as well. Um, let's see, we have a comment thinking about the elementary shooting in Texas, how the police were waiting for their sergeant to make the call. The time allotted and the kids with the cell phones were pleading for their help. Um, apologize for bringing up such a sad story. Does that involve with decision-making? Absolutely, that involves with decision making. That's a horrible situation that happened. So, what you had was police were waiting for someone else to make the call, and yet there was still to make the judgment that it's okay to go in, and yet there were still kids getting hurt during that time. So, I'm not trying to make any kind of a political statement about this, but it sounds like 
just from what little we know about what happened at the moment, people were pretty overwhelmed, understandable. It's an overwhelming, it's an objectively overwhelming situation. And that maybe roles and responsibilities were not quite clear. It could be also that priorities weren't clear. So some people may have felt my priority is to wait to hear from my sergeant and other people may have felt my priority is to take care of the kids regardless of what the sergeant says or waiting. And there was a lot going on. It was a very confusing situation. I'm not trying to judge the people who were there. I don't know all the details about what happened, but it is, as you mentioned, Joy, that's a, it's an interesting decision-making situation around how we react and how, how people react um, when there's conflicting guidance or when there's unclear guidance or when there's unclear roles. And although thankfully most of us don't have to deal with that stressful of a situation on a regular basis, I'm sure that each of you have situations where your values and the rules may be in conflict or what this patient needs right now versus the resources you've been given to work with them might be different. Absolutely. That's what makes decisions hard. I mean, I present it like, oh, it's easy. You just figure it out and you do it. But of course, they're not that easy. It's it's quite challenging. So thanks for bringing that up. It's a difficult, it's a sad story. And it's also um, something we can all learn from about how do we make decisions when we're under situations of extreme stress or when, you know, things are so important, everything's riding on the decision that we're making. Absolutely. Um, so moving forward, um, want to make sure that you learn stuff from this session. Um, what I'm hoping you took away from the session was around um, clarifying your vision and your mission and your strategic aims, taking some of those steps to have stretch goals for yourself, to talk with other people and share your vision and mission and your aims with them, to get support for moving yourself forward toward your vision and your mission. And then also, I hope you learned around the aspects of a good decision-making environment and what you can do to make some changes in your environment to help make it more conducive to good decision-making. And then finally, we talked about the steps of good decision-making, which I made just two quick steps, create a good environment, and then follow the, the steps for making a decision itself uh, around identifying the problem clearly, coming up with some potential solutions, Picking, uh, judging the solutions on different facets that are irrelevant, and then making a decision, sharing it, communicating about it, and evaluating it. So that's what we have for this. That's the summary of the session. Um, Want to make sure you know what is one step you can take to clarify your priorities to yourself? What is something you can do to clarify your priorities to your supervisor or to your staff? What are areas you would like to improve on and learn more about? And then how can you use this information today to make better decisions? And I'll leave that with you. We don't have to, uh, we're not gonna walk through all that. So our summary is that our time at work, our time on the planet is limited and clarifying our vision and mission and setting goals makes us more motivated to achieve. And it gives us the building blocks we need to help us move forward more effectively. Um, it's And these are important professional development skills to learn to set appropriate goals, identify obstacles to goals, identify opportunities to achieve them. Those are all things that'll help you. The more you practice them, the better you'll get, especially if you get feedback. And then the more you practice them and the better you get, the more it'll help you throughout your career, whatever it is you do. Um, and then of course, writing them down, big fan of writing things down. It allows you to define and acquire 
the specific competencies that you need for success. So you go continue to constantly improve, which is which is overall, which is the goal. So thank you so much for your time. What questions do you have? I'll say I will answer. You can ask me anything. We have about five minutes left. Ask me anything except sports. Probably can't help you on sports, but anything else, feel free. Thanks so much. What questions do you have? Um, we got a question. How often should we be revisioning, revisiting our mission, vision, and strategic aims? I would suggest at least once a year. I think at first when you're just starting, maybe once a quarter or twice a year, um, but at least once a year is a good game. Or if you switch jobs, that's another good time or have a major change in your in your home or family situation, those are also good times to, to revisit these. Absolutely, great question. Well, thank you all so much for coming today.